Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. I'm particularly excited about this episode because this has come in come together in a very organic way. And I have talked about this person on the show, and now she's on the show. Your pronoun is she? Yes. Yes. Okay. Now she's for asking. on the show. So I like when things like this happen. So let me tell you a little backstory. And I'm not even sure if you know this, uh, Jessica Lanyedo. By the way, we'll get into why I, I, I referred to you as Lanyadu on the show uh, and then learned that that was the improper pronunciation. It's not bad. It's really not bad. And I, I oh, feel oh. it's, it's Lanyedo, but it, Lanyadu is the most common pronunciation. And I feel like it's fine. I refuse to mispronounce people's names. Okay. You have explained that the the actual last name is derived. Wait, you it is a Jewish. Wait, give it to me correctly. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, okay, so we're Iraqi Jews, which back in the day fled the Inquisition. So, wow. right. So, like we we basically when the Lanyados were fleeing the Inquisition, they fled to Syria, Egypt, and Iraq. And I think my family went first to Syria, but then was for centuries in Baghdad um, until the Jews were kicked out. But all of the Lanyados uh, that fled, as far as I know, what happened is we all spelled it differently. So I think we all pronounce it differently, but I've never met a Lanyado I wasn't related to. So I don't know for sure. Really? Yeah. And so it is, and you said it's a Jewish dialect of Arabic. Yes, 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 yes. That's what my father's first language is. Yeah. And he's from Baghdad. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not a lot of us. I mean, there's not a lot of us in North America in particular. Right. Yeah. Like seals, there's, we are, we have a Grenada faction and we have a St. Vincent faction. And so I re- I, re- I ever so often get DMs from people on Instagram, like, I think we're related. <laughs> And you're like, yes, we probably are. Probably are. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, it's very rare that I meet someone who's got similar background. So the way that I um, was introduced to your work was because I have a friend who kind of just hobbies around with astrology, right? Like she like learns, but she, I mean, she doesn't, I say that in the sense that like she doesn't do readings as a career. Okay. But she like studies how to properly do readings and like, you know, she can do your chart for you and those types of things. And so, um, she had sent me an episode of your podcast. I want to say, I want to say, I know the episode number. I think it was like 139. Um, and it was a particular episode where you were talking about not abandoning yourself. Mm. And she was like, I just feel like this was such a good, this is such a good podcast. So I was listening to it and I was in a particularly low state and you were like, and you have a voice that's very encouraging and also like soothing. Thank you. 
Yeah, but it's not babying. No. <laughs> That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, but it's, like, it's, like, it's also not this, you know? It's not, it doesn't feel like affectationed. Thank um, you. <laughs> and so you were like, yeah, like you need to get up. And I felt it's rare, but you know, ever so often you feel like someone's on there, like on the podcast, like talking to you, like, bitch, get up. And I was like, I need to get up. She told me not to abandon myself. <laughs> and I went and did some boxing and I felt better. And I was like, and those words have stayed with me because I've had a couple, I've had moments since then. And those words have stayed with me. And I was on the podcast and I was on my Instagram, like singing your praises. Cause I was like, this woman woke me up. <laughs> And then I tagged you and you were like, I'm a supporter. And I was like, (laughs) and you know, um, and so I, one of my, one of my intentions this year is to um, expand my circle of folks that I speak to. Like, I feel like I, especially within the COVID of it all, you, you got more insular Mm -hmm. and um and I want to just be conscious about the fact that like, you know, there's, there's, there's more, there's abundance. Um, and you are abundantly informed in the art and space and energies of what some people call the woo-woo. Le woo. <laughs> Let's make it French because it's fancier. Let's just go with le woo. Now, let me tell y'all, I have had a reading by Jessica Lanedo. And um, first off, can you please tell folks how you uh, describe yourself? Like, what is the space of your work? Sure, absolutely. But can I first say that we have a very strong mutual appreciation society and I stand everything you do and I have such great appreciation for you Aww. and all that you put into the world. Um, I just thank you. thank you. No, thank you. Uh, no, thank you on behalf of, of the people and of me. Um, so, okay. Okay. So that said, I am an astrologer and that's, I would, I would say I started studying astrology and tarot around the same time. And I work with tarot, but first and foremost, I'm an astrologer. I'm also a psychic and a medium and an animal communicator. And you have the cutest animal sniffing at your neck. Um, so I just, I mean, I just feel like that's, I don't know. It just feels adorable and lovely. Um, so yeah, so I do all of those things. I'm very comfortable with the term woo-woo. Uh, I feel very much like I'm very self-aware that I'm woo-woo because I'm also a Capricorn and crusty and from Montreal. And so I'm not, I'm not like... Um, I'm not a love and light woo. I'm a like, let's use all of our resources and all of our tools to deal with this material world woo. Thank you very much. Thank you. And your podcast, um, Ghost of a Podcast, really does that. Like it really teaches that in a real way. And just so you know, uh, her podcast well, each episode split up into two. It'll be like a question that someone asks, or sometimes you just rant. No, it's not even rant. You just <laughs> no, no. I rant. I think you can say I rant. Because no, I you really just do. wax poetic <laughs> about you. something that needs to get spoken on, which oftentimes in the last few months has been related to um, you know, these uprisings and voting and like white people's responsibility to undo racist paradigms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So that was the other part that I was like, oh, this is a woke white woman. So before <laughs> I even saw you, um, 
and knew that you had all these multi-ethnicities going on. I was like, this is a woke white lady from Canada. Uh, <laughs> and now I find out that you live in... Oakland, California. But so I am makes- from Canada. But I'm from Canada. Hence the... This is the problem with the Canadian accent. Whenever I'm enunciating or being like really intentional, the Canadian comes out. Because Canada has enunciation really together as far as yeah. I'm concerned. So yeah, so yeah. it does really come out on the podcast more than it often will. Do you know what I mean? Just because it's, because I'm being really intentional about what I say. But being from Oakland, <laughs> I mean, be, being in Oakland, yeah. like further, it's like whatever enunciation Canada brings, the the wokeness <laughs> of the oakness like overpowers it. <laughs> Thank like, you very much. I, I will take that. Because I, I was definitely like, she's like really tapped in to be in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Canadians are tapped in, but I also know exactly what you're saying and I receive it. Oakland is a different obviously. vibe. Like literally yes, yes. it's the home of Pimpin' and Panthers. Yes, so yes. it's just a different vibe. And uh, it's a different life. I mean, I think that this is, I mean, very, very real, you know. yes there's don't even get me started on on the pros and cons of oakland but um i i do love it here you know first and foremost slash also you just i feel like san francisco and oakland have very concentrated uh elements of the things that the the nation has been right uprising about in you know in tandem in a way that like I mean, when we see like Oscar Grant, that's like one of many, you know what I one mean? Of like, many, yes. Of course, Fruitvale Station helped to uh, amplify that story. But for all intents and purposes, like that happens because it's a part of a series of actions. It's not just a, you know, fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about gentrification and the housing problem in, in the Bay. And, you know, there, it just goes on, 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 on. We talk about... Um, Tajay, who is a terrible person I dated, who is from Oakland, you know, so like there's just levels. <laughs> also, I'll say the only person I, he's the only person I've dated whose name I say and continuously will all this shit on till the end of time. <laughs> I really just like when you said it, I heard like the store, Tajay. No, I said no. a person. Tajay I know. Group, Mighty Souls of Mischief. But yeah. I but I really got into the store. I don't know. Like I just felt like <laughs> I felt like that's how I say Tarjay. So I just kind of ran with that. I will also say something that I don't hear people talk about much, which is because I've been in Oakland, I think six years now, and I was in San Francisco for like 20. And this is the only place I've ever lived where police send out dogs. I've never experienced that before. Like police will be like, get, they'll be on a, uh, like a loudspeaker and they'll be like, get inside your home. We've released the dogs. I've what? Never, yes. Right. Yeah. You're shocked by that. What is the, per- what are the dogs released to do? To track down criminals, people that they are seeking. I, I've experienced this twice living here and it's shocking and quite frightening honestly it's like a shocking form of policing and i'm shocked that we also don't talk about it more frequently it's so shocking to me that it happens and that i don't hear people talking about it that it makes me question have i really experienced this but i for sure have um yeah so it's a really like there's there's so much to talk about there and i'm not you know an expert in policing certainly not in oakland but it's oh your dog is so cute i know it's off topic but my god (laughs) As we're, no, it's not. We're talking about dogs. We're talking, um, but this is this is not very a do- different dog. If if Jordy was released, he would just jump and try and hump everybody's leg. Like Jordy is definitely here for everybody. He's like, hey, look at you, look at you, look at you. That's like the kind in, of dog I'm into. I in mean, the movie Up, I was like, I love you. That's Jordy. Everyone, he's like, I love you. 
Actually, you know what, though? The only time I've ever seen Jordy bark at a person was we were at the beach and a police officer pulled up on one of those um, segways and Jordy was not having it. Was it the segway or the cop or the combo? I think it was the combo Mm -hmm. because I don't know that he... He the the cop pulled up in front of us on a Segway and just parked, and Jordy was just like. But other humans had come up and like talked to me, and he wasn't barking at them. So right. I'm sure the Segway has nothing to do with it. But other humans weren't on Segways, and so the fact that the cop felt the need to be on a Segway at the beach at the beach. Well, you know, I mean, imagine chasing somebody down on a Segway though at the beach. Like what? I can't even fathom how that makes any sense. The- it, it doesn't because it doesn't because it, yeah it's I'm very right. la it's yeah. malibu it's like this is policing whatever i think all of it is a fool um okay so i digress we digress how did you enter into this life path you know I have a really boring answer because I was always in it. Like it was, it was never an entering. It was, I mean, were you four and you were like, Oh, these are spirits. Um, no, I didn't know I was psychic until I was 30. I didn't believe in psychics or animal communicators at all. Um, like an asshole Capricorn that I am. I was just like, it doesn't exist until I experienced it for myself, which is so stupid, but it, it was what I did. Um, I, when I was, I remember, so I was born in 1975. I remember 1981 or two sitting on Hot Wheels and saying to myself really firmly, I'm going to keep all my wisdom teeth because I'm a Capricorn, which Capricorn does govern teeth and wisdom. And I am 46 and I still have my all my wisdom teeth. Knock on wood. Hold on. Knock on wood. Um, so I, that was like as young as I remember thinking about and talking about astrology. And yeah. then it kind of it progressed to a point where for my 12th birthday, my mother bought me um, a Sydney Omar. Do you remember Sydney Omar? I don't know if you're, are you old enough no. for that? I Sydney? was born in 81. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm old. Um, so no. I mean a little, a little, give me that. I 46. It's a little, a, we're, and I'm in the middle. We're refined. You're refined. Okay. There you go. There you go. So Sydney Omar was the like supermarket scroll like you remember those supermarket scrolls? Maybe they didn't have them in the U.S., but supermarket scroll horoscopes. No, you didn't have that. I don't remember these. It might have only been in Canada, but okay. anyways, he was like like a cheesy ass astrologer. But he, she got me this book about Capricorn. It was like a big book for my twelfth birthday, and I studied it like a Bible until I went to an alternative C uh, shop in Montreal, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and I took my first class. It was an introduction to astrology from a Jungian perspective. And I was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And within six months, I came out of the closet and I was like, so I'm going to move to San Francisco to be a gay astrologer. And that is what I did without a whole lot of forethought. But what made you say, I'm going to go take a class? Excellent question. There was not a lot of classes in (laughs) the school and astrology was just like, I was obsessed with it. I was interested in it. And I was like, I could actually learn it, like properly learn it from a real astrologer who he taught psychology in the main college. And then in the like small uh, alternative college I went to, he taught um, astrology with a psychological bent, which is what I practice very kind of psychological. I mean, I practice many forms, but 
speak more to the Jungian, like what, cause that, what you're describing, I mm-hmm. just learned about because a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine who I did gymnastics with is getting her PhD in that area in interesting psychology with the astrological element running through it from a Jungian perspective. Is she doing it at CIIS? I I don't know where she's doing it, but she we we get together every Christmas. Like that's part of our our like tradition. I mean, I think we're going on 16 Christmases now. And she is also who introduced me to astrology. Um, in a real way. Because of course, like you said, like my mom got me the astrology book. Like I've always been a cancer and I always had like the birthstones and whatnot. But it was her who was like, I speak to an astrologist every year and she has changed my life more than once because she's helped me keep my eyes in focused in the right, like keep myself and my spirit and my eyes all focused in the right direction. And um, And so ever since then, uh, I was talking to an astrologist every year. Shout out to Michelle out there in Gainesville, Florida. But w- can you just give folks a little um, insight into like what you say, what you mean when you say from a Jungian perspective? Sure. And I should totally come clean to say I have not r- studied Jung like your friend has, but there's basically many forms of astrology. And this is where people who only know about horoscopes are really surprised. There's real estate astrology, financial astrology, medical astrology, psychological astrology, mundane astrology. There's so many branches of astrology. And um when we talk about something like Jungian astrology, it's astrologers who are influenced by the kind of like psychological teachings of Carl Jung, who he himself, I don't know if he was an astrologer or if he was like an astrology student. I think there's some like question about that, but his work is very on the woo, very on the woo. But he was a psych. Yes, like he, he was, was a psychologist. Psych- yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I think like Jung and, and Freud are both like highly regarded psychological people, but for reals, I don't know because I didn't ever study to be a therapist or, you know, it's not like Mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of schooling. But I think it's fascinating to hear though, that there is a psychology school of thought that takes astrology into account in terms of how it deals with patients and, you know, the unique ways that we are dealing with the world. Yeah. And more and more I'm seeing that I have clients and fans uh, and people just on social who are therapists, who are licensed therapists, who use astrology in their practice or tarot. Because the the reality is astrology, it it's kind of, the way I'd like to describe it to people is if you're looking at a birth chart, it's like you're looking at your hard drive, right? And so you might not use, like I have a Mac computer, I don't use on my computer, but I could at one point be like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and now I'm using GarageBand, right? Like you start using different programs, you can, you know, there's a way that the more you understand your hard drive, the more you understand what you're working with, the easier it is to optimize your life. And so astrology does that. You know, something I often see is that people will come into my office for a consultation and they'll be like, oh, I have an anxiety disorder. I've been diagnosed with anxiety. And I'll look at their chart and I'll be like, oh, it actually looks more like depression astrologically. And so we'll have a conversation. I don't diagnose. I'm not a therapist, but we'll have a conversation about like, are the treatments for anxiety working? And it's always no when it's looking like a misdiagnosis. And so we talk about how can you, how can we talk about your lived experience so that you're using language that therapists understand so you get that correct diagnosis? Because the thing about psychology that's tricky is it requires the kind of user, you, 
to be able to self-disclose and describe yourself well, which a lot of people just aren't great at for a variety of reasons, right? If you ask me like what hurts, it's hard for me to describe it. But as a psychic, I can tell you what hurts you. Like Mm -hmm. that's, you know what I mean? So it's just like, people are weird. We're, we're weird. Um, It is what it is, but yeah. So you said that you didn't realize you were psychic until you were 30. The Mm -hmm. same for me. Interesting. And was it 30 or 29? Like, or right around there? It was 29. Yeah. It's a sudden return. You know oh, what yeah, that yeah, is? Yes. It was definitely Saturn return. It was like, a Saturn return. Ditto. But here's the thing. I think I've lost it. Mm-mm. I don't believe that. No. Not that I've lost. Okay. Let me. Let, so again, <laughs> learning how to use the language to express what we're actually dealing with. I feel like I have lost the ability to tap into it the way or, or it's showing up maybe in a different way that I can't recognize Mm. because that for a stretch of time, I would have this sensation of my neck burning. Yes. I used to get that too. Okay. Yeah. And so it would typically be attached to one, every time I met a man, my neck would burn every time, every man or a special man, every man. Interesting. Every man, my neck would burn. Um, and then my neck would burn when I like forgot something. So like if I like for a good example is like I'm driving to do a gig to DJ and I forgot my hard drive and my neck started burning. And at the light, I stopped. Like when I got to the light, I was like, your neck is burning. What did you forget? And I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot my hard drive. So like it would show up in that. And it would also let me know um, if an argument was coming down my path or some type of obstacle. So it was kind of like a foreboding mm-hmm. um, because like I would always know off. I would always know, oh, our flight's going to be delayed. Mm-hmm. And then people would be like, how do you know that? I'm like, our flight's going to be delayed. My <laughs> neck is burning. Our flight's going to be delayed. And then the fucking flight's delayed. We're when did it traffic. stop? So... I want to say it stopped when I dated my ex Um, because I think he created a block. Um, However, I mean, I I had it with, like, I got it with him. Like, I mean, my neck was like, (laughs) and I was like, it's fine. (laughs) I was like, what did you not listen to that your guys are like, cool, you want to change the game? We'll change the game. (laughs) I was like, it's fine. And I distinctly remember pulling up to our first date and my neck being like, no. And I'm just like, it's fine. It's fine. And, um, and then you have said something that I, that I talk about too, which is, you know, learning the difference between your intuition and your anxieties. And so I think that in, in some time, in some ways it would show up as an anxiety and in other ways it would show up as an intuition with men. It typically showed up to me as anxiety because I'm not saying that it wasn't accurate for him, but because it happened with every dude, it was like, Oh, you just have anxiety around men, like in general, like, which is natural. Cause I have, Daddy, well, father issues. I'm 39. I don't have daddy issues anymore. I have father issues. They're refined. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but also- so I just say that to say that, like, I don't feel like I 
get those warnings anymore. I mean, like, it would literally be like this. Like, me and my, I distinctly remember one time where my mom and I were in the car, we were in a cab going downtown in New York, and my neck started burning. And I was like, an, an issue is gonna arise. I just said that to myself. I was like, an issue is about to arise. And I would have people say like, well, when you do that, the issue is obviously going to arise. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not determining what's happening. I'm seeing what's happening. And in my mind, it was like something about the universe is alerting me to give me a tool to like change course. And this is the woo-woo, right? Because this other people- yeah. Other people yeah. would be like, no, that's just you projecting your fear or whatever, whatever. And I'm like, no, this is being shown to me. And so sure enough, we pulled up to the, um, we pulled up to the place and the driver wouldn't stop us, wouldn't put us in front of the door. And I was like, yo, can you pull up so we can get in front of the door? And he was like, no, get out. And he just became very aggressive, like a drop of a hat. And I was like, yo, I saw this. <laughs> And so there were times though, where this type of thing would happen. And what I would be able to do is, is like change course, Mm -hmm. but not always, not always. No, that's, that's the way it works. Okay. I have so much to say about this. Okay. Okay. Watch me go. So I had this moment where I was once driving on a freeway going from San Francisco to Oakland and um, I was in a car and I saw the kind of freeway just across from me just catching flames. And I was like, holy shit, there's going to be a massive fire. And when I got home, sure enough, there was like some car had exploded and there was like a fire on on uh, on the road. And I, it was at that moment, it was in my early 30s where I was like, oh, it's not always useful. And it was a really important thing because, right, because we want it to be useful because we are so kind of um, product driven. We're like, my worth is in what what I do. So if I have psychic intuition, it has to be for something. And Mm -hmm. that's just not how it works. The idea that we are disconnected from each other and all things is something we've really been taught. And it's something that we have developed as, you know, we live in cities and we're so much closer to each other and everything is overwhelming and we're constantly taking in data. Then we have to shut down our, our, what people call extra senses. But Mm -hmm. I actually don't think of them as extra senses at all. Like, at all. I think of them as simply senses. What it's really about, so there's like two things that are really important for me to say. One is what it's really about is receiving and not seeking. And the reason why most of us are not getting guidance, we're not hearing our intuition is because we're too busy trying to figure things out. And when you're like going and seeking and trying to figure things out, you're not in a state of receptivity. That's why when you're in the shower, you remember things or like when you're meditating, you can hear your guidance. It's not because the shower or meditation on its own is magic. It's that you're in a state of receptivity. And then the other thing I wanted to say is my experience with my guides is they change it up frequently. So like I got the thing on the back of the neck for years. I had a feeling of like my ear being squoze whenever I was supposed to pay attention. It was like my guides were like <laughs> dragging me by oh, my wow. ear. My guides are, I mean, I think they're kind of assholes, but in a very funny way. And I enjoy that. So it works for me. But um, I also sometimes get like my thumb. It feels like it's being squoze. I 
at a certain point, I was smelling things all the time. Like for me, my guidance is just like keeping me on my toes. And the reason why I think this happens for so many people, not everyone as maybe as much as my experiences is because as soon as you become attached to the way it's supposed to look or feel, you are no longer in a true state of receptivity. Now you're looking for that feeling at the back of your neck. So when your guides mm-hmm. were like, hey, dummy, get out of this car and shit's going to go down. And you were like, ha, ha, ha. Then the, your guides were like, okay, so we're going to have to work with something else. So my guess is that because this ability doesn't go away, it, it's not that it goes away. It's that we reorient to it and we have to kind of adjust. And this adjustment is usually one of, of kind of like self-acceptance and being present with yourself. This like back to me saying, don't abandon yourself. Um, and I repeat a lot of things I say on my podcast and to my clients because the most fundamental changes that we can make in ourselves are very subtle and simple. You know, we like to make them really complicated because we're smart. But in my experience, it's like if you practice not abandoning yourself, um, staying present with yourself and being receptive to your own feelings, thoughts, and guidance, life gets a lot easier. Your choices get easier. And it's not that your situation gets easier. That doesn't happen. It's that it becomes clearer. Oh, this is out of integrity for me. Or like, I am being told that this is, this is like, get out of this car and this is wrong. And like, maybe you're still going to get out of the fucking car because you have a date and you have a plan, but you go in with a different set of boundaries and Mm -hmm. you are more kind of uh, self-protective, like in, in that like specific example. And I think that this is where TV has done us wrong. Movies has, has done us wrong. This kind of idea that like psychic is, and I hate to say a purple robe because I'm wearing a purple cape. It's so embarrassing. I did it without realizing, but like, it's like a purple velvet cape. Mine's wool. Um, and it's like, you know, and it's like, you know, everything when people hear I'm psychic, they're like, Oh, tell me X. And the reality is there is predestiny, but there's also free will and it's a dance, you know, Mm. it's a dance. And so we can use our free will within our circumstances, within our nature, within our predestiny, and we can change that predestiny. So like you said, you got guidance and you sometimes could change things or it prepared you to respond with greater intention, right? Because you weren't Mm. like shocked and then shocked. You were like prepared and then shocked, which gives you more time. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the thing. And this is like something else I talk about on the podcast a lot is the space between your reactions and your responses, yours, mine, everyone's, the more space we can create between our reactions and our responses, usually the better our responses are. Every time, man. Every time. But sometimes you just feel like you gotta, like right now. Yeah. In the time. Okay. So, so not to interrupt you, but I think this is really, really, really important. We are not supposed to be perfect, you know, from one perfectionist to another. (laughs) Listening to your guides and being spiritual and doing the work doesn't mean you're perfect. Nobody's perfect. That's not a thing. It's not like humans aren't perfect. Cats, dogs, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And fucking what even is perfect, right? I mean, mean, right. Right. What is like, that's a very subjective thing that we each fashion for ourselves and determine whether or not we can like some days perfect, really like I would say day to day perfect changes for me. And and my, at my healthiest perfect is I tried my best. Same. Perfect is I'm not attached to what happens here. I just did it because it felt like it was like the right thing. I'll tell you, I thought the Dalai Lama said stupid shit. 
you know, nobody's perfect. Like people are, we're not supposed to be Gandhi perfect. was a racist pedophile. Nobody's perfect. Who was? Gandhi. Oh, Gandhi was a pedophile? I knew he was racist and I knew he was fucked up to his wife, but he was, oh, okay. Well, see, see. Now see, in their, in their context, he wasn't because it's like right. 15, schmifteen. But Mm-mm. I'm with you. You know, we yes. all, we know better, we do better. And yes. we're like, nope, that's still not it. And this is the thing I, that I think is kind of like a, a barrier of entry for a lot of people with LeWu, if I can, again, make it French, um, <laughs> keep it Canadian, uh, is that people imagine that it has to be right all the time in order for it to be real, whereas you can bring your car to the mechanic and they fix it, the problem half the time. And you're like, that's a good mechanic. You can like press, I don't know, like website.com. And sometimes it doesn't load. And that does not invalidate the existence of the internet. You know, there's a way that we expect perfection from spirituality. And I think it's a way to disempower people from having their own relationship to their own guidance and the divine. Because again, we bring this perfectionism and this like product management to our own senses. And it does us a disservice. I also feel like the construction of religion informs that as well. Yep. Like, I feel like the construction of religion oftentimes kind of sends us down this road of spirituality as this like perfected um, concept that works a certain way every time. And, you know, that, hold on one second, Jordy, off. Is he always this cute though? Is that what we're calling it? We're calling it cute? I am. It's not bugging me. I mean, I can see how it would be bugging you. But he's like a goat. He's just jumping over every part of you. Is he always like this? Yes. And it is disconcerting. Um, well, you know, sometimes when I'm in, like, I was at a store the other day, it was a dog store and there was another dog in there. And so he was excited to see the other dog. And this man who had the dog was like, is he like this all the time? Cause Oh my God. And I just felt like, why are you judging my dog? <laughs> see, that's when you take the fire in the back of the neck and you throw it at him. <laughs> you know what I mean? That is when you take that fire. I mean, that your dog is like, He's I mean, he's like, like puppy. he's like very like wild because he's an animal. Um, and he's also bringing up your energy. Like he's jumping over you to like, like he's like doing something to your energy. That, that's what he's, it's very cute. It's very yes. cute. I mean, Jordy is like, look at him. He's just like, <laughs> he's talking about me. Um, so and, cute. And we are getting, we are getting closer because the relationship between a dog and a person is different than a cat and a person. And I really yeah. did not off off. And I just didn't understand just how different it is. Like it's more like a child. Um, they're, they're much more needy. They're less independent. Hey, eh? that's what scares me about dogs. Yes. Their neediness, but their neediness. Again, it's it's more like an attent the attentiveness of a child. Like their neediness isn't even just about like, oh, I want attention from you. It's more so like they require you to be more attentive because they just get into more shit. They're they're a lot more um they're just not as intuitive as cats. Like dogs yeah. can jump off something and break a leg, whereas cats can jump from three stories, land on four feet, and look at you like ah, and keep it going. 
Do you know what I, I mean? Like, yes, cat, that is the perfect interpretation of a cat. I feel like that should go in some like dictionary somewhere. <laughs> what a cat is, yes, agreed. Yes. Like you don't have to potty train a cat. Like you don't yeah. have to tell them when to eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like cats will not, cats very to mind, excuse me, to my law, well, at least my cats, my cats don't eat themselves into, um, you know, just gluttony, right? Whereas like a dog, if you give this dog all this food that it likes, it's going to eat it. Yeah. All of it. All of it. And, and this is your first dog? Yes. And I wanted a dog all my life. And my mom was like, we, it's just too much. It's just too much. And I was like, whatever. And now that I have it, I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying. So I don't want to become an LA dog owner and take my dog to doggy daycare. However, it may go down. <laughs> However, you have bookmarked it on your desktop. and Well, also I just want to make sure like, and this is the thing I didn't anticipate, but like, you really are like, I want to give this dog the best life. Like, and I don't know if it's because I don't have a child, but I'm just like, yes, you need to have experiences. And I see, and I don't like when people anthropomorphize, you know, and, and, and give human emotions and desires onto animals. Yeah. So I didn't take that seriously. And then I got this dog and I really do be feeling like, he is enjoying certain experiences. Like we're at the beach and he's like, oh, I like this. Of course. Yes. This is okay. So this is, we're off topic, but let's go. Agreed around the anthropomorph. I can't say it either. So we're going to just agree that that's not great, which is why I don't fuck with animal astrology. It doesn't work like that. Astrology works for humans. We've studied it for humans and humans and dogs are different than humans and cats and ladybugs and all of that. Partially because time is different. Right. That's and what I was like gonna say. Time. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. We're measuring time. But I will say this. Dogs are people. So I'm not saying they're humans, but they have personhood. They have yes. thoughts and they and as an animal communicator, I can assure you they are listening. They're sentient. They are understanding. Of course they are. They're of course they are. And it's like one of these things that I think back to the not trusting that we do where we talk to our animal friends, we know that they understand us. We can feel that we are connected. And then we talk ourselves out of it because we don't want to sound silly. Mm-hmm. And I just, the the sad thing about that is that they know that that's what we're doing. And I say, we, I don't do that, but, but animals know yeah. that that's what we're doing and it hurts their feels. And so it's a good thing to, I know, I'm sorry, but it's a good thing to know because being willing to see the personhood in animals is not silly. Even if you eat meat, it's not silly. I think it's really, it's a good way to stay present with like the dignity in all life. And it has like a cascading effect on your psyche to be able to do that. And it's just remarkable how much we avoid for fear of being silly. I mean, it really, it's, it's something. In 2017, I called my father, who I never talked to, um, but who has brilliance in particular areas of like knowledge and information, right? And one of that is sci-fi. Like my sci-fi obsession, I can one thousand percent give. That's from my father. Um, Love sci-fi, love it. Like anybody. By the way, anybody who's watching The Expanse, oh my god! Oh, is there a new season? Is there a new season? Stop. Stop. I'm so excited. The reveal. Wait. It is going to take up your life for, because it's oh, eight yeah. episodes. We're eight episodes in right now. And when I when tell did it drop? you. Before I get too excited, I want to make 15th. sure. 
<gasps> there is a new season. And when I tell you, it is so intense. I love that show. It I is. Love that show. But this season outdoes every other season. And every <gasps> season, like, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Like, I'm texting. The, uh, so um, Dominique Tipper plays Naomi Nagata on the show. And after every episode, I'm like, bah! Your character is a beast! Like, <laughs> and God, I I'm so excited. that they, like... The thing about sci-fi, oh, see, this is what happens with, I knew this was going to happen with you. I was like, we're going to do seven episodes in one episode. Like, but the thing about sci-fi, which actually does attract, attach to the animals stuff that we're talking about is that oftentimes you get these archetypal characters that don't, that actually lack humanity because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, we're in science fiction land. And so it becomes more like kind of getting the plot out and they yeah. lose character development in that process. And that's what makes movies like Star Wars, like that's what makes certain certain sci-fi um, yeah. franchises, in my opinion, that's what makes them last longer is when they have like character characters that we yeah. see grow and go along with the plot. And on this show, they have managed to do that. Like her character, she's iconic in my opinion. Like her character is doing things that you're just like, did this broad just do that? They have so many women characters on that show that are so... Yes. Strong in various different ways. It's also like incredibly diverse. And what I love about The Expanse as a sci-fi franchise is that they have managed to create a distant future that looks realistic. Yes. Also, find me sci-fi that doesn't critique capitalism and I find you bullshit. Like most sci-fi does. Yes. The sci-fi I consume anyways. It explores yeah. race and identity yes. and the perils of capitalism, which is so delightful. Like it's like, also it's highly moralistic programming. Like there's always some sort of moral lesson, which I just, yep. I don't really like. I, I want moral content. That's what I want. I, I'm with you. Like I... I have trouble watching certain stuff because I'm just like, what's the point of, like, where's the social yes. elevation in me watching this? So, okay, back to sci So, oh, right. okay. my mm-hmm. father is who put me on a sci-fi. And so, but he's like really just kind of knows certain shit. And so I reached a point with the psychic stuff that I was like, I feel like I need to know more. Mm. So I called him and I was like, this is your firstborn. Um... <laughs> That's how I greet. <laughs> You're funny. It's one. funny. I, I've done that with my father several times as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, just so you know, I'm the right. first one. Just I'm the first fly. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I need to know why I can see things before they happen. Like, is it, is there, is, is it, is it a dimensions thing that we're, we're living in a different space time continuum? Like what, how is it possible? Like, how is it possible that I can see a future that hasn't happened? Does that mean that future has happened in another time and space? Like what, like, and this is the, whoa, whoa, this is me trying to like, and he was like, listen, part of it is we have this in our lineage. He was mm-hmm. like, we have seers in our lineage. Like, so you do have that. And he was like, the other part of it is you are a creator. Mm. And he was like, when you um, are a creator in the way that you are, you're godlike. Mm. He was like, you make something from nothing. And he was like, your ability 
to believe that something can exist that doesn't already exist Mm. gives you an extra ability to see things that a lot of people don't allow themselves to see Mm -hmm. because the world has taught us that if it doesn't exist on this grid and on this plane of existence that it can't really happen. So he was like, he was like your visionary ability is allowing you to see things that everyone could see, Mm -hmm. but, but that they can't because so much of our teaching from a very early age is that you it, you only believe it if you see it like picture. Yeah. It's like evidence. You need evidence. Otherwise it's not real. And if I could even add to that, I think also people who've survived trauma, because when you survive trauma, when you come from traumatic upbringing and you create something that is healthier and more peaceful, it actually is, it's that same concept of creating something Yes, that wasn't there. And we don't talk enough about how frequently survivors of trauma have psychic or intuitive abilities. And there's so many kinds of abilities. There's so many levels and degrees on which it can happen. But so much of having the audacity to Mm -hmm. outgrow your trauma um, is whether it's inherited or, you know, like lived and experienced, it, it requires you to pull from your whole self. It just does. You know, we can't have real healing without including the spirit, IMO. And so I think that's also part of it. You know, I think that's part of it for so many people. And again, we don't talk about this enough, this thing of like creation being connected to creation, right? Right. And whether we're talking about this on a healing level or on a, a creative level, it's, it's when when shit really goes down, you need your faculties, you need your resources. And that's when we often are like, you trust your instincts. And again, sorry, but like Captain Janeway, she's so good at ca- trusting those instincts. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, <laughs> give me a female captain. I'm sold, right? But I, I just, I think that there's a way that we really, when we're, when we're trusting our instincts in a crisis, we don't, as a society, call that woo. But that's just as woo as Mm. trusting it when you're in a cab with your mom and you're like, something's about to go down. It's just as woo. It's like, why is it okay to be intuitive on a battlefield like a big man, but it's not okay to be intuitive about interpersonal relationships? I mean, to me, that's more of like spiritual uh, misogyny. I almost said monogamy, but misogyny, Mm. Um, which I do think is an important part of the silification of woo and astrology is a way to kind of what like... What does silification mean? Oh, it's a word I made up, I think. But like making things silly, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's silly to like... Yeah, the silification. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. I've been told many times by my partner who I work on my podcast with that I make words up and then proceed as though they're real. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know this term. <laughs> I think I made it up, but somebody might be like, no asshole. This has been used by many people before. So I don't know, but yeah, this, you know, the silification, like, like, oh, you're into astrology. That's cute. Oh, you're into woo. That's sweet. Oh, you think you're intuitive. Oh, that's nice little girl. It's like the pat on the head. Yes. And this, this is something that I think is, is a really important part. Well, I just think it's something we all need to be really aware of the ways in which we think certain things are silly spiritually and other things are not, you know, and a lot of it has to do with misogyny in my view. Woo! 
the woo-woo is so strong with this episode that we felt the need to come back next week. So please stick with us as we continue with Jessica Lanyedo and sharing with us all of her insights and her astrologies and her psychic notions and all the good things that are helping us get centered for this new year and new time. Starbanes Avenue, a podcast network.